0: Welcome, everyone, to Our Kind of Pod. Um, I'm your host, Brandon Boyd, and I'm joined by my uh, barely alive, barely awake co-host, Michael Stitton, joining me bright and early today to accommodate the podcast before Thanksgiving. Uh, Happy Thanksgiving, everybody, and uh, happy day to you, Michael, because at least within the last calendar year, we have beat Utah, and not everybody in the Pac-12 can say that.
1: Yeah, I I think that's, I mean, we're a powerhouse. I think uh, based on that, um, that was frankly the best the best thing that I saw this past weekend. Or I didn't watch it, but uh, saw in the news that is, is Utah beating Oregon. Uh, that just made me so happy, and and made the last few weeks of Husky football just slightly more manageable as a result.
0: Utah beating Oregon was the best Husky game of the season. Um, yes, that is that is without a doubt. I think for no other reason, honestly, than uh, we don't have to see Oregon in the, in the college football playoff. I, not not because I don't you know that they I wouldn't I would hate to see them, although that's part of it is they were just not good enough um, to hang with those big boys. Yes, they beat Ohio State, but my God, you play that one again and uh, move without it It'd been a scary situation. Um, yep. But it is it is such an upsetting season for us Husky fans that uh, it has clearly affected Isaiah Stewart. I mean, he was he was livid over the weekend and, um, you know, no one has really been able to diagnose why. But I think it it can be squarely blamed on the performance of, of his alma mater's football team.
1: Yeah, probably true. But speaking of basketball, we do have a what's looking like a NCAA tournament caliber team <laughs> uh, after a San, uh, South Dakota State victory. Uh, last night so uh, things are really just looking up for for us in that department yeah man that's what happens you go and play in South Dakota you find your mojo again so
0: uh, that's that's a, a little bit of of uh, you know greener pastures ahead of us hopefully
1: sure. in, the, in the basketball department <laughs> well when you win it somewhere like the the Pentagon I feel like you can't be stopped at that point Yeah, I just hope they can get out of the Pentagon because it
0: it does appear that that place doubles as a a maximum security prison as well. So (laughs) um, we'll we'll see how that works. Anyways, we are on a tight timeline, so we'll get right into it with our four downs for this week. This is Apple Cup week. There will certainly be uh, some Apple Cup talk in a little bit, but let's start first down. uh, Drafting the stupid shit that happened in the Colorado game because there was just so much of it. Um, A few weeks ago on the shutdown forecast uh, Jason Kirk and crew were answering questions from uh, readers, aka listeners, on that on that lovely show. And uh, something about coping with losses and things like that came up, and Jason Kirk had uh, uh, prodigious advice, I think, which is to, when your team loses, realize that it is deeply hilarious. And that is not easy in the moment, but uh, after the fact, can certainly look back on the UW-Colorado game and laugh at the myriad stupid things that happened uh, throughout that game. So uh, we will just take turns picking our favorite or least favorite dumb things or dumb stuff, dumb facts, dumb stats, dumb plays from that game uh, that you didn't even watch. You were were enjoying the beaches of Mexico, so you were actually immune from the -the in-the-moment disaster that was. Uh, So you might actually have a, a funnier perspective on this than I did as someone who had to watch all three hours of it. So you can go first.
1: From your gleanings, what, were the, what was the dumbest thing that, that uh, stood out to you? Well, I, th- I think we should probably share this uh, this point, but the whole QB, the quote-unquote mm-hmm. QB plan, which um, is inserting either Patrick O'Brien or Sam here, this week it was O'Brien, into the game for a drive or two. I, I believe it was two drives for yep. O'Brien, where um, really just you know nothing good has come of it. Uh, Bob Gregory said that was the plan all week to get a different quarterback in the game, to give us a little spark. That was our plan last week with Sam. So we stuck with the plan. Um, I don't know how bringing in a second quarterback gives you a spark um, because let's say he does do well. Do you just then take him out? Like that doesn't make any sense to me. So, so, even though Dylan Morris has been trash at, at a lot of points this season, and it sounds like, based on the highlights you've seen, he actually wasn't god-awful this week, even though he did have some some errant throws. Uh, keeping him in, I feel like, would only be beneficial to Dylan Morris and the team because he's gaining you know more reps, more consistency, isn't being taken out, et cetera, et cetera. So that one doesn't make sense to me. Uh, part of me is like, well, it doesn't really matter But technically speaking, this game was for bowl eligibility, so it did matter. Um, So that is, I think, the the first one that's just like, what are we doing? That was definitely number
0: one on my big board here. Patrick O'Brien, when you say, (laughs) gives a little spark that is hilarious because watching him, nothing against him. Obviously, his first major important minutes that he's he's received as a as a you know Division one college football player um, for the Huskies at least, it looked as if he was conducting a walkthrough on every single play, like just complete slow motion, um, no energy. There was there was no actual design for him to be a real person and a real quarterback out there, which has been the case when they bring Sam Heward in too, of just this vanilla game plan that basically is just like, let's get these two drives over with essentially. Uh, and O'Brien, I think... Achieved one yard um, over over the the two drives that he was in, and Dylan Morris to that point um, after those first two drives. Yes, the first drive ended in disaster um, with a play that we might talk about the uh, fumble return for a touchdown at the goal line. But then the next goal next drive he lead, led us down to first and goal before we had to kick a field goal. So two drives all the way down the field from Dylan Morris, and you take him out, and and Dylan Morris was fine the rest of the game. But he was playing well up to that point, and. I get it with Heward because there's a future plan there. There is no future plan with Patrick O'Brien. He's just a guy and you're just doing it. it, it it's almost like Bob Gregory was doing this in a little league sense of like, oh yeah, Patrick's dad is going to be awful upset if if he doesn't get some playing time. Like, no, that b- bullshit. That is not what we need to be doing. And it probably cost them the game because the two drives that the Huskies had with O'Brien were shit compared to the rest of the game, which were only kind of bad. Um, so yeah, that. uh that was annoying. Anyways, my, my first round pick here is the 6% post-game win expectancy uh, that Colorado yeah. had for, for pulling this off, according to Bill Con- Connolly from ESPN. Um, so, you know, basically just taking into account all of the stats that happened in that game. If you ran them, if you ran a simulation with those stats 100 times, Colorado would win six of those games. Um, and collegefootballdata.com does this as well. And they actually had the number as 2% for Colorado. Um, so even dumber... The Duskies lost this game uh, compared to that. Just some, some other post-game win expectancies from collegefootballdata.com. Montana, 87% for Montana. Michigan, 95% for Michigan. Uh, so put that in perspective. Us losing to Colorado was dumber than if we had beat Michigan, based off of how that game uh, went down. Arkansas State, 100% off the books for UW. Cal, 82% for Cal. Uh, OSU, the beefs game, uh, in Corvallis, 70% for Oregon state UCLA, 88% for UCLA, Arizona, 75% for UW Stanford, 95% for UW Oregon, 100% for Oregon, uh, and ASU 94% from, or for ASU. So lots of close games that, uh, based on those numbers, the Huskies are lucky to have beat, uh, Cal Cal, especially, uh, but,
1: um, yeah, they, they weren't particularly close in the other ones, even though they might have had yeah. one-score games. It's just kind of the story of the season. Um, I, was, I was tracking the uh, – well, first of all, I should preface. So while this game was coming down to the wire, I was sitting on a beach in Cancun at a wedding uh, – but I was told by the groom that if I was not streaming or looking at my phone at a football game, that he would be disappointed in me. So I felt like I had the green light to to be doing this. But yes. I was watching the, the game cast, looking at the, the box score, team stats, et cetera. And I just could not believe we were losing because mm-hmm. everything was overwhelmingly in our favor. I mean, we I don't know what it was specifically, uh, but it's like we outgained Colorado. Yeah, 426 to 183. So. Um, it should have been a, a landslide victory. Yeah. Um, a lot of that has to do with us spotting them 20 points, uh, just by ineptitude. And this will go on to my second stupidity point, which is just what the hell happened with Luke Wattenberg and snapping a football? Yeah. Um it, it's I know that's not game plan schematics specific, but just like where where did we go awry? Um Wattenberg is what, or was considered coming into the season one of the the best uh, assets on the offensive line. Um, I think I'm not going to single him out for the whole season, but just the unit itself, we know the offensive line has been incredibly disappointing. Um, and then in this game on Saturday, Wattenberg has two missed snaps, one of which is recovered scoop and score for like something like a 97-yard touchdown to give Colorado uh, a 10-0 lead early. And then later in the game, I don't, I can't remember if it was in the fourth quarter or not, but um, just like, I, I don't even leg. know how. Was it off his leg? Yeah. Wow. Okay. Uh, <laughs> yep. Yeah. On, on our own 10, uh, or on our own 12, I believe, uh, five yard loss, fumble. Colorado gets on a seven. UW defense pretty stout in holding them to only a field goal, but that's 10 points right there that we yep. just gave them. Uh, UW defense is actually pretty, pretty exceptional this week. Um, other than the very end uh, where they they gave up a touchdown. But frankly, you can't really pin that on them. Um, no. The fact that they only gave up 10 points uh, at the hands of that unit uh, is, is pretty impressive. So, yeah, that just what was happening with with the uh, with Luke Wattenberg snapping the football? That is sixth-year
0: senior Luke Wattenberg, by the way, yep. um, that uh, returned for a sixth season to do this. And I don't know, man, I forget what game it was early in the year. I don't know if it was UCLA or – uh, maybe it was one of the wins actually where he had that snap that went over Morris's head from the shotgun, which is like yeah. impossible to do. Obviously, you know, Jaden green has launched, launched one in the Oregon game. We all remember that one, sure. but uh, this is uh, this was different. Like uh, you're totally right. I mean, that, that, first one, I don't know if you could fully blame that on Morris. It was just a weird play that is kind of its own subcategory is we never got to see what that play was. It appeared to be the dumbest play that was ever going to happen in the history of college football. First and goal from the from the the three um, under center. You know this whole snap nonsense happens. There's a guy in motion, and in Jack Westover, the tight end, is in the backfield, and he feigns as if the the snap goes over his head, which you can do. You know on sometimes yeah. on shotgun plays as a direct snap to the back. What what universe? exists where Jack Westover was going to get a snap that was even remotely over his head. Um, I really want them to, uh, to show us what that play was supposed to be. But yeah, that was, that was awful dumb. Um, speaking of Dylan Morris, my second round pick here is that Dylan Morris drives on third and fourth down. So he, he was great himself on third and fourth down throughout the game, but just the Huskies in general were much, much better at converting um, than they have been at really any other point in the season. So drives that did not include Patrick O'Brien, there were 20 of them on third down 20 plays, the Duskies ran on third down on third down. They ran for, or they uh, gained 224 yards on third down. So for an wow. average of 11.2 yards per play, <laughs> which is ridiculous. That's like the best offense in college football. If you can run 11 yards per play. Um, so it was nuts, but gains of 20, 28, 33, 24, 21 on third down, just throughout the day, they were able to, um, to get it done. And, you know, that's a lot of luck. That's not going to transfer from game to game, but, uh, the game plan and the attack on third down was like so much better than it ever has been on first and second down where they're just willing to waste downs and burn downs. But on third down, they're attacking the middle of the field. They're getting their guys in open space, um, and doing things that they should be doing on every down, which is just so frustrating about this team of like, yeah, we have a terrible offensive philosophy, but, um, there are simple things that, that have worked, that they just refused to do on a consistent basis for, for whatever reason. And uh, third down against Colorado um, emb- embodied all of that.
1: Yeah, this uh, it seemed to me, it seemed like Colorado was really playing some loose coverage <laughs> and this is probably a result of Colorado being the second worst passing defense team in the in the conference. But uh, we, we were able to hit that underneath the ball and, and get to the sticks uh, with ease, uh, seemingly ba- based on the highlights, at least that I saw. Yeah. Um, so that was, that was refreshing. Uh, we've obviously been through a lot of games where we haven't been able to convert on third down. So um, it was nice to see uh, that being said, still wasn't enough as we are well aware. Mm-hmm. What is your final pick in this stupid draft? Um, my final one that I'm going to go with is just the rushing attack again, because that would have, has been the you know supposed to be kind of our our bell cow if you will and uh I, this was arguably the worst game for the rushing attack all season uh 28 attempts for 38 yards for a 1.4 yard average uh that is now uh three straight games that we have not eclipsed 100 yards as a team in the rushing department um, in fact, we have only eclipsed 100 yards four times out of our, uh, how many games that we played? 11, 11. games. Yeah. Um, so yeah, just a really, really bad game in that, in that regard. Uh, Cam Davis, 12 carries for 29 yards. Uh, and Kamari Pleasant, six carries for eight yards. Sean McGrew was out. Uh, I did appreciate JV on Sunday getting a few carries, even though he ended up with only six yards. I, I do think it's important to give some of those players like him, some, some reps. Um, So, but at the end of the day, that's just, that's just really bad against against a defense that is not very good. So that would be it. And and two
0: things in the running game. One, we had a 22 yard run from Dylan Morris, which was amazing because we've seen this over and over where the middle of the field is completely open and all Dylan Morris has to do is just run straight to the middle and get free yards, but um, that it's never in the cards. And finally did it on Saturday uh, to much success hope that that's a part of the game plan going forward. And then also they were throwing to the back. So while, uh, while they couldn't get anything going in the actual run game, you're still getting Cameron Davis and Kamari pleasant involved in the passing games to get them out and get them on mismatches. Um, they actually put uh they kind of threw like a seam route with Cameron Davis early in that game. So good stuff using the running backs, but yeah, I mean, the running game itself, has um, it's just been a joke the entire season. Um, so my, my third one here, there's plenty of other statistical stuff, but, one thing that probably didn't show up in the highlights for you uh, was there was a deep route in the late stages of that game, um, and a drive that I th- don't think the Huskies scored on. In where Roma Dunze and Jalen McMillan were running a, like a deep scissor con- uh, concept down the right side of the field, and uh, the you know you couldn't see it on the initial play, but Morris's pass just kind of went into the sideline. No one was there. It's like who the hell are you throwing to? It's because McMillan and Dunze ran into each other, uh, just straight up canceled each other out of the nice. same play. So. Uh, Yeah. Great that um, we have those guys, um, you know, finally getting into exotic looks down the field and can't (laughs) execute. So that was, uh, that was just lovely. So that's a good place to end there and put the Colorado game, the deeply hilarious, deeply tragic Colorado game that uh, took us out of bowl eligibility uh, in the rear view and look instead to Friday night's apple cup. Um, So out of head coaching responsibilities, obviously is Nick Rolovich um, and instead for replacing him has been Wazoo, a former defensive coordinator, Jake Dickert, um, who I just have to assume is a ex-porn star. He has a, a son named Jet. So Jet Dickert is a, is a little kid running around in Pullman. Um, just, um, you know, do that. Think of that's what, a fun one. Yeah, exactly. 38 years old. Uh, Dickert there actually has done quite well auditioning to be the next coach, I would imagine, um, if he can beat Washington on Friday. He would have a pretty good leg to stand on as to why he should be the, the head coach, and especially because they're going bowling as well. Um, so you know he's playing for a lot. Um, what else would you like to talk about with this this Coug team?
1: Well, they're, they're two and two in in time of in the in the Dickert era, if you will. Uh, playing one of those losses being well, both those losses being against solid opponents. Uh, one to Oregon another to BYU, which they only lost based off because of a missed PAT, which forced them to go, have to go for two at the end of the game, which they did not convert. Um, otherwise, they've beaten Arizona State by 13, and they, they did something we were unable to do or seemingly unable to do until the very end of the game, which would be to blow out Arizona. Um, so so it's been solid for them. Uh, the Cougs are bull eligible already, so it's not like we can stop them from making a bull. Uh, but at the end of the day, this is really the only thing that we can kind of salvage for, with the season is retaining the Apple Cup. And that's something I would love to do. Uh, Jaden Delora has been solid for them uh, in recent weeks. And he I believe he he's like has the third. I mean, he had he leads the conference in passing yards, which probably is, is not a surprise given the run and shoot offense. But he has the third best uh, QB rating. Uh, they have a couple of pretty solid wide receivers uh, in Calvin Jackson Jr. and Travell Harris. Uh, yeah. So it, that'll be an interesting matchup given our secondary uh, and our defense in general general leads the conference in defensive scoring. Um, so that'll be a fun matchup to keep an eye on with Kyler Gordon and Trent McDuffie. Um, as always, Max Borgie is a threat for them. Uh, he can both do it in the on the ground and out of the backfield in the passing attack. Um, but this this game is, I I think it's it's somewhat of a toss up. I mean, yeah. I say that, and I have no confidence in the Huskies <laughs> to win. Um, but but on paper, at least, it it seems like a toss up. The line is, uh, I believe we, I don't even know if we're favored or not. It's like a one point. I think it's line, Wazzy one right now. Yeah. Yeah, Open so up um, three, I, you know, obviously would love to blow them out, but it, I wouldn't also mind just a, just a, a good football game? game. Yeah, yeah, good football game where we come out victorious at the end. Yeah, um, I, I had all those guys circled as well. Calvin
0: Jackson, Travell Harris are two of the Pac-12's leading receivers in terms of yardage. Both of them um, fringe thousand yard guys. Certainly, thinking think into a bowl game might be able to pull it off. Um, Calvin Jackson, number eight, and Travel Harris, number one. Both guys under six feet. Uh, Jackson has oh. catches of 75, 70, and 45 yards. I don't know how the, the, that player, we, there just hasn't been that receiver that the Huskies have had to go against um, this season that really people are talking about into the game. Um, you know, it has, wasn't the case of Michigan. It was more about their running game. You know, um, it just really hasn't been. Uh, the, Greg Dulcich from, from UCLA, their tight end. Um, was certainly on on the uh, the sure. menu of people to worry about, but just doesn't get the volume that these guys get. So that'll be interesting yeah. to see how McDuffie and Gordon are uh, up to the task for for defending these guys and um, you know <laughs> track records. That uh, should be a pretty good matchup there. And then Borgie, who has just been clinically someone who has been underused um, throughout. Apple Cups past is seemingly a guy that every time the Cougars run a play that doesn't involve Max Borgie, you can be fairly happy because he seems to be a walking six or seven yard game, especially in the passing game. And he's also backed up by a guy named Dion McIntosh. Uh, perfect Apple Cup name. Uh, it's like if his name was Jake Honeycrisp, that's about as, as good as it could be <laughs> otherwise. Uh, so Dion McIntosh plays a lot for them as well. Um, so yeah, this is uh, not quite the same uh, Mike Leach offense where they're going to throw every play and shotgun and it kind of all looks the same and it's all these under, underneath stuff. Uh, run and shoot is very, in a very simplified um, way to describe it here is a very uh, more, more risk, less risk averse offense than, than the, the, um, the air raid offense uh, less underneath stuff more taking shots downfield. Don't really care so much about completion percentages, trying to take those, those strikes, um, and uh, one other name on this, this Cougar roster, they have a, a quarterback, a third string quarterback named All right, It's so a C-A-M-M-O-N Cooper. What state is Cammon Cooper from? I'm going to guess like Utah nailed it right that is the yeah, i've never that's a byu seen, name <laughs> how did this guy escape from the, the grasp of byu if he could be on that um but uh other than that defensively attacking this wazoo team they are just as bad as we are in terms of uh of stopping the run so conceivably the huskies could run the football against wazoo but um No, we (laughs) can't can't on that. Um, so yeah, that's just not going to happen, but very similar to diagnosing that organ defense. They are, um, not very good when it comes to giving up 10 yard or more throws, uh, but get better and better. The more you try and attack them downfield. So 20 plus 30 plus they're okay. 10 plus they give a lot of those. So I'm imagining that looks like a lot of soft coverage and opportunity for the Huskies to, um, you know, hit 10 to 12 yard gains a lot. Uh, so we'll see if they can, uh, can take care of that some questions about this game what do you think uh the huskies are going to do with sam heward knowing that whatever we think is go- they're going to do and whatever the smart thing is they will not do that
1: yeah i mean obviously you want to bring him in and give us a little spark right i mean <laughs> yeah uh but i i do think that we will see sam here because uh he does have that final game of eligibility without burning yep. his red shirt um I would love to see him given a little bit more burn than two drives. Yeah, uh, like give him a give him a full quarter, give him a full half. I mean, I whatever whatever we can do that doesn't put us in jeopardy of losing. And frankly, Dylan Morris has not proven that he can do much better. Um, so because he's he's very air prone and turning over the football. Uh, so I I don't know. I would I would be fine with seeing them give. Sam Heward a little bit of a longer leash and actually allowing him to throw some balls and, and do what he was brought in, the Mm five-star recruit that he was uh, what he was brought in to do, which is to sling the football. I mean, he, he played in an air raid offense at Kennedy Catholic that that is what he does. So uh, I would, I would like them to loosen the reins a bit and let him kind of go.
0: I'm fine with that. I think, I think starting him and basically just running him until he doesn't look good or looks over his skis a little bit is fine, right? Because Dylan Morris is, is at at, at best, pretty good, um, basically serviceable in every other facet, you know, disappointing, certainly somewhere in that range, but um, I'm fine with just letting Heward go. And if Heward runs the whole game and the and Huskies look good on offense, then sorry, Dylan, like, you know, this this was a, a fantastic chance to to showcase the future. But if if Heward doesn't look good, then then you're bringing Morris in in a different scenario than he has in the previous games where you're taking him out of rhythm and then bringing sure. him back. So I would say uh, start Heward. And if you don't start Heward, then like you got to wait for Dylan Morris to show you that he can't play before you bring Heward in. And in that case, the, the game's probably lost anyways and, and who cares? But uh, I don't think that this third and fourth drive BS that they've done, um, with uh, uh, two Morris in favor of Heward or in favor of Patrick O'Brien is doing anyone any favors because uh, especially when the game plan is so vanilla when you bring them in for those kind of token drives. So um, my, my thought would be bring in Heward either for a set amount of time or until you got to sub him out and then um, let let, uh, let Demo finish it out.
1: Just but, don't, just don't yeah. take Demo out and bring Dylan in when Demo is like playing well or something yeah. like that. Something that's going to just totally wreck momentum. Yeah, I I, I care about.
0: I think it's a disservice to the fans um, that are in there, you know, on on a Friday uh, in this stupid season to do something that, um, you know, puts them in jeopardy of losing this game just because you're trying to, you know, check a box or, you know, provide a spark or something like that. So just just figure it out, have a plan that actually makes sense. And if something's working, don't stop it because we do want to win this game. Um, Ideally, the Huskies are up 14 in the fourth quarter with the ball and can hand it over to, to Sam Huard for, for kind of a, you know, a, a swan song, something like that. Uh, but, you know, what, just have to let this play out uh, overall though, in this game, just let's see a greatest hits of the offense from this season. Some, some wildcats, some quarterback runs, throwing sure. to the backs, throwing down the middle um, you know, just, just things that have worked throughout the season. Let's not, let's not fall back on this, this stupid, uh, boneheaded over and over failure plays that, that uh, we've run to death throughout this season. So just play the hits junior Adams and, and uh, don't
1: get too cute here. In agreement fully
0: favorite apple cup moments uh, is our third down here. I'm sure we've done this before, but always fun to revisit the apple cup. I'm a, I'm a huge, obviously, you know, for, we're doing this, but I, uh, I really do love the apple cup. A lot of great memories throughout my, uh, life with this game it's always been a huge point of pride in the states um, and it is truly one of I think the best rivalries in college sports even though it's not necessarily been uh, even in terms of, of wins and losses but uh, the the general distaste of the other one in a playful way I think is is uh, is there whereas the hate of Oregon is not playful in any way um, whereas the the Cougs and, and, and Huskies can break bread in a different way than uh, than, than ducks and huskies can so uh, your three favorite memories or three favorite apple cups or specific plays or things that stick out to you when you think apple cup uh, we'll just go back and forth so what's your first
1: one we might and, have some and i will left. mention right before that uh i do break bread every the day before uh with a lot of kooks at thanksgiving so uh, very true on that point but uh favorite apple cup moments uh let's i want to kick it off with the and again you probably have the same ones, but the 2003 Apple Cup, mm-hmm. uh, UW knocked off number eight WSU, uh, came back from a 1914 deficit with four minutes left to win 27-19. Corey Williams, who I believe was a true freshman at the time, uh, caught a touchdown pass in the corner of the end zone, kind of diving into the end zone from Cody Pickett. Uh, and then Marquise Cooper on the ensuing defensive mm-hmm. drive uh, picked off Um, I'm blanking on who the quarterback was at that point for the Cougs, but pick six to seal the game. That was either Swagger or Keeble. Josh Swagger. Just an amazing name, Josh Uh, Swagger. But uh,
0: (laughs) it was after Gesser. Gesser had left already at that point. Um, But yeah, I just got chills thinking the the Marquise Cooper run. And also thinking about how uh, that Corey Williams touchdown was supposed to be this passing of the torch that he would be this, this great receiver at UW. And, Um, Just never materialized past that point. Uh, But I'm actually going to go with the previous Apple Cup, which was in Pullman in 2002. Um, This was the uh, the ruling on the field is that it was a backwards pass. Washington recovered that backwards pass and the game is over Um, game from 2002 in Pullman. um, I believe the the Cougars were playing for Rose Bowl. Um, The Huskies were just playing to finish out the season. Um, It kind of been a lost season. They'd lost some, some close games, despite some, uh, some big preseason hype. Um, That was the Northwest championship year where they had beat Oregon State, Oregon and Wazoo to end the season. Uh, Nate Robinson had a huge pick uh, late in that game down the sideline. Just an awesome, awesome game. I did a podcast about it um, a few years ago that is linked in the show notes here. Um, If you want to go back and hear from some of those players, Kai Ellis, the hero of that last play, Reggie Williams, the hero of, our childhood, Cody Pickett, yep, John Anderson. Yeah. Um, so I love all those guys. It's a, it's a, um, a very fun one for me. I was at it. I was a kid at an apple cup party with a bunch of kooks as well. So, um, just, just a lot of fun. And that was like just the perfect back and forth game. Um, you, one team is usually attempting to play spoiler on the other one. And that's what happened, uh, on that frosty night in Pullman
1: in, in O2. Have you, uh, just as a side, uh, sidebar here, have you ever been to an apple cup in Pullman? Yes. And if you'd like, okay. I can I can take the, the mantle here for my, my
0: second one, um, sure. which was exactly that, the 2014 Apple Cup in Pullman. I've actually been to another one. Um, I believe the snowball that the Huskies lost when I was very, very young. I don't remember it uh, too much. And Um, you know, (laughs) neither does my dad. Every time my mom tells the story because, uh, alcohol was, was, uh, flowing that day. However, um, I remember it being very cold and and having to walk back uh, through Pullman after that, but anyways, 2014 senior year for me in college, that's uh, Chris Peterson's first year. Uh, me and a bunch of friends took a road trip over there, um, the day after Thanksgiving to go watch that game. It was freezing. Um, I look looked back on the, on the notes to see how cold it was actually, and it was 19 degrees, but Mm -hmm. I remember, I remember it being like, according to windshield, eight degrees. That, that really sticks out in my head that it was eight degrees. So cold. Um, And it was ass kicking for the Huskies. They were up, um, I believe 31 to nothing with 10 minutes to go in the fourth before the Cougs made it 31 to 13. Uh, Just a weird game. Cougs couldn't really do anything. Danny Sheldon was a monster that whole game. Uh, Dwayne Washington, I look back, had two carries for 111 yards and then nice. 14 other carries for 24 yards. So Dwayne Washington just <laughs> busted two runs, um, and that was that was basically all the Huskies needed that entire game. Um, but it was it was very fun to be there uh, to you know rally around the the, the elements there uh, for a game that was kind of a toss up heading into it. Cougs might have even been favored, um, and and uh, Huskies just shut it down. Luke Falk could not do anything um, against the Huskies, which is not the only time that that was uh, to be said about a Luke
1: Falk Cup performance. Nice. Yeah. I've, I've never been to an Apple cup in Pullman nor have I ever been to a game in Pullman, uh, which is kind of surprising given how many other Pac-12 s- stadiums I've been to. Um, but that also is probably a product of the five hour one-way <laughs> drive through nothingness. Uh, yeah. That's yeah. deterring me.
0: You need a place to stay if you're going to do it. And that's uh, that's a, that's a big barrier. Um, Cause you know, Pullman hotel doesn't sound great. Um, but no. uh, if, if you do have a couch to crash on or something like that then then you can make it work Uh,
1: yeah my next one is the 2018 apple cup which is it also snowed in this one Mm -hmm. Um, remember this game didn't count because of the elements exhibition Uh, yeah so it it was an unfair game Uh, we can't count it according to cougar fans um, this is the game that Miles Gaskin after the game said, I ain't ever lost to no Coug, yep. uh, which is true. He went through his entire career without losing the wazoo uh, 27 carries for 170 yards for him, including an 80 yard touchdown in the fourth quarter to put us up by 12 and pretty much steal it uh, where he just kind of slides through the end zone on the, on his back through the snow. Um, that was a, that was just a great game. We went on to the, 12 championship game in that after that and and won and then went to the Rose Bowl which you and i were both there even though we mm-hmm. lost to Ohio State was a just wonderful moment in in life let alone uh husky football yeah um, for us personally that is um so that is my my second one that is also uh,
0: Gardner Minshew's lone apple cup. Um, and that was the, the great white hope uh, that Wazoo had that year. And then it started to snow and they couldn't throw anymore. Um, or they, they could, and they actually did pretty well late in that game. But uh, um, yeah, that was, that was funny. And, and Minshew was different than the other cascade of leech quarterbacks for a lot of reasons. Yeah. She had more moxie um, was a guy that you trusted to make big throws. And uh, that was his one chance, and, and Husky shut it down. So that was, that was very fun as well to
1: beat uh, this, you know, cult hero in, in, in Pullman. And uh, what's great about that game is I believe they ended up going 11-2 that season. It was the best season in yep. WSU football history, and they couldn't even make the conference championship game, let alone the Rose Bowl.
0: Yeah, I believe they still beat Iowa State in the bowl game that season. That's the year that they played in the Alamo bowl and got that done. So still a great yeah. season for the Kooks, but um, we sure. spoiled the, uh, the, the bigger, bigger prize there. Uh, mine is the 2010 apple cup, which if you remember, this is the black pants apple cup and the Chris Polk apple cup, the Huskies needed to win for the first bowl eligibility um, since Rick Neuheisel. I believe um, they had gone a, a huge streak, including the entire Keith Gilbertson and Tyrone Willingham era uh, then it, this was Sark's second year. Sark went five and seven that first year, um, and was heading into the last week of the season needing to win. Um, actually, needed to win. the, I think this, and then was the Cal game the next week. That, yeah, that they, I think yeah, it was. Right. Yeah, I think they still had to beat Cal after that um, in the in uh, in Memorial Stadium in Berkeley to to get out, which they did. Um, but anyways, they needed to win to maintain bowl eligibility. In this in Pullman against a two and nine Wazoo team. Uh, was probably way too close, but Chris Polk, 29 carries, 284 yards. Jermaine Curse had 176 yards, including the game-winning touchdown. Uh, Chris Polk, that game was like if someone uh, put a brick on the uh, on the gas pedal of a Camaro. Like he just he just would not stop running the entire game. Some long runs. He was so awesome um, in that game and, and throughout his career. And uh, I listened to that one on the radio coming back because that was also the day that uh skyline uh my high school went to uh the state championships for football for the fourth straight year uh and lost to ferris so it was already a shitty day we lost to ferris hoping to pull that one out and then it was a very very tight game um that uh the dogs pulled out in the end and so watch that one later that game was on versus uh, channel 34 yeah. back in the old oh, podcast yeah. days uh it was uh just a, a
1: different era but man chris polk uh you are a hero in my mind I think you meant to say uh, a brick on the gas pedal of a Pokes wagon. Oh, yes. Who could forget? That's a wow. wagon? Throwback. Wow. Um, so the last one I have is not really a singular Apple Cup. It's a stretch of Apple Cups, which is, we've already touched on 2018, but 2015 through 2018, those are four straight wins over ranked Cougar teams, twice denying yep. the them the Pac-12 North uh, by winning the Apple Cup. Uh, and a large portion of Mike Leach's, all-time record apple cup record of one and seven against uw uh he won his first game his first apple cup at wsu and then proceeded to lose seven straight but those that 2015 to 2018 stretch um, was just wonderful because it was actually you know good uh, two good teams going against each other uh ranked teams which normally is not the case in the apple cup um at least not historically for the Cougs and obviously not this year for, for us either. Um, But yeah, that was, that was nice to get them when it really mattered um, those years. Yeah. That was a peak shit talking to me. Like
0: I forget after which one, I think it was, it was 2017. If, if I remember Uh, maybe it was 2019, but one of the home ones uh, that the Huskies just spanked Wazoo and he said, you know, I hope Mike Leach coaches at Wazoo forever because they keep doing the same thing every year and we're always ready for it. Um, yep. something to that effect and um, <laughs> i can't believe that that guy uh, has since been the head coach and is no longer the head coach and yeah god things happen fast um but yeah you're right that was that was a fun stretch games that you're always nervous for but uh looking after them you never should have been nervous for because their attack was perfect for the the way the huskies defense was structured um, all right so number four here fourth down is uh, Pullman Yelp Reviews. This is a, a new segment that is uh, not necessarily to shit on Pullman because they're bad, re- bad Yelp reviews ever, but um, just uh, something that was inspired because um, our dear friend, uh, credible, semi-credible Italian guy, Phil Smiraldo, um, came to visit me in Boston a few weeks ago. And uh, we were looking for a place to use the restroom in the North End, which is the Italian district of Boston. And uh, decided to go into this one Italian restaurant. Uh, When I left the bathroom, I was immediately confronted with a large, large, large barrel chested uh, hair sprawling out of his chest, um, Italian owner of this restaurant named Joe Peglota, who very confrontationally asked me what the hell I was doing using his public or non-public bathroom, uh, which led me to have to uh, buy shots of limoncello to make right for the incident. Um, and it, the whole experience was just a, a fiasco, but Phil looked up um, some of the Yelp reviews for this place afterwards, and they were just hilarious because this uh, restaurant owner, Joe Peglota was um, just a, a character and very much a very bad dude in a lot of ways, and his restaurant had some funny stuff. So Yelp reviews are hilarious, which got me thinking about Pullman Yelp reviews. So we picked three that we could find for any uh, Pullman establishment, and we will share them aloud. So would you like to begin this uh, unique endeavor in the uncharted territory in the history of our kind of pod.
1: Sure, yeah, um, I'll start with one. I just kind of like the general idea of this one because it's just stupid. Uh, <laughs> if it's at Cougar Country, which is a burger place in Pullman, which I've actually been to before in my one time that I that I've been to Pullman. But um, we have Miranda W. Uh, who posted in June of 2020 uh, that uh, it had to do with burger allergies. She is deathly allergic, according to her, to onions. Um, so she was very, very annoyed with that, but then she apparently went back because almost a full calendar year later, she posts again in all caps yelling at them that she is deathly allergic to fish <laughs> and they were used, they were fi- They're frying their French fries in the fr- fish fryer, apparently. So I just love the fact that she, um, according to her escaped death in, in mid 2020, and then decided to return and then uh to her to her she also escaped death and that in that uh moment that second moment I'm just like if you're if you're at a point where you might have had a allergic reaction uh, i don't know if i go back she mentions that they had to go to the emergency room as a result of this <laughs> so this the logic surrounding it is just uh flawed in a lot of ways yeah no that this is great because most of my help reviews are Uh, restaurant
0: inducing bad reviews but this one is um, you know crazy people which is a different different sort of facet of yelp Um, so Mm -hmm. uh, that's that's fantastic thank you miranda w Uh, mine comes from brian f from union gap washington uh, who visited red bento which is a um, you know asian food uh, you know kind of Chinese, Japanese, lots of different cuisines there all trying to, to, to do it all. He went there on March 22nd, 2019, and he said, awful, been here two hours, still don't have my food. People are being served out of order. No apologies, no discount, very disappointed. I've been to other Red Bento's and been happy, but I will never come back here. So the the mid-experience Yelp review is is what really got me here, that Brian F. was so fed up for two hours that he said, you know what, God damn it, I'm going to write a Yelp review um, that is... Independent of the food, the food could have come out and been wonderful. doesn't seem like that was necessarily bound to happen. Uh, but Brian F. was so, so frustrated uh, that he just said, screw it. I'm I'm tanking this Yelp review ahead of time. I'm, I'm imagining all the things that he did before that,
1: uh, you know, asking other customers, things like that. But um, he had enough. Just imagine sitting for two hours at a red you know, bento just, waiting for food. Just go away.
0: Go somewhere else. Yeah. Go, get a, go get a frozen
1: <laughs> pizza, man. <laughs> Uh, the next one I have it's it's two quick ones uh but one of which is by far the favorite one I was able to find uh includes this is at the coog which is uh pr- probably the the most uh the most popular i don't know I, i'm not a cougar but the most popular watering hole in pullman i know it has a lot of history it's been there forever uh most of the reviews are negative because people were just getting cut off uh for drinking too much uh, <laughs> michelle n they kicked me out of the coug twice and it was my 21st birthday they tried to call the cops on me for no reason it was 1 p.m and it ruined my entire day <laughs> so <laughs> michelle's getting after it at 1 p.m which i appreciate so 21st this, yeah yeah this next one though is easily the best. This is Noah B. from Bellevue, Washington. And I'm going to spell this word. It starts out with the word awful, but it's spelled O-F-F-E-L. Hell yeah. Okay. Noah B. No and... B. is
0: tanks when he made this Yeah. Review. Oh yeah.
1: I'm reading this verbatim, <laughs> just so you know. Awful and people are rude. Not a bar that I would ever do it again. Way more better bars in the home and then I was. That's it. <laughs> The beauty of this is Noah B has really turned things around. Actually, he, he is an elite status reviewer on Uh Yelp and has been for the last four years. So, uh, if anything, this is a pretty inspiring story that he has gone from this stage of, of, of reviewing to being a elite reviewer for four years. So, uh, I, I think that's a great story out of Pullman that, uh, we can really, you know, look, look to. That is amazing. There's a uh, Rusty Featherstone is, is
0: famous. The, uh, he's the college kid yeah. somewhere for those uh, beer reviews that Noah B might have have beat him to it of, of drunk Yelp reviews. I mean, that, that, what, a, what a concept. Um, so good, good stuff. <laughs> Noah rep and Bellevue hard. Um, I have two more. One is uh, from AC. It's just letters um, in Pullman, Washington um, for a sweet treat uh, cupcake and frozen yogurt place called sweet mutiny like pirates oh uh, no idea if this is related to Mike leach or you know if a family member started it but certainly interesting that the pirate themed uh, sweet treat place um, knowing that Mike leach has an affection or, uh, yeah an affection for um, confections uh, there see see what I did there <laughs> um, so anyways, Sweet Mutiny um, has changed ownership, and so uh, on Fe- February 4th, 2015, the throwback, Sweet Mutiny was recently just sold to the head baker. She terminated all the employees and only offered jobs to her favorites. She's unethical, passive-aggressive, and doesn't know how to run a business. Sweet Mutiny will never be the same again. Please do not support this business anymore because of how she mistreats the employees, and included with the review is a photo of a tub of fudge Um, That uh, just says, you know, fudge it's like for January 1st 2015 it's like used by and then with four pieces of Scotch tape or uh, masking tape over on the side of it that one says hashtag last day, then hashtag you're fired then hashtag everyone is fired then the other one says hashtag Oprah and hashtag Trump. Um, who the <laughs> hell what knows the hell what, was going, what was going on there, but, uh, AC had enough of, of sweet mutiny and apparently there was a mutiny at sweet mutiny. So they, they reap what they sowed there. Uh, and my last one <laughs> my Lord. is from Zeppo's bowling alley. Um, Zeppo's of course, with two Z's Z E P P O Z in, in, uh, in Pullman. Um, this was from Leslie S of Pullman on February 12th, 2019. Uh, get ready here. One star review. Went in for breakfast with my son this morning. Again, breakfast, bowling alley, right? These are yep. self-inflicted, wounds, lots lots of the time. We were the only occupied table in the restaurant. We ordered our food. And since we were the only customers, our food delivery was very prompt, all going pretty well so far. I ate half my omelet and stopped eating when I noticed a half, uh, sorry, a, a hair that had been cooked into the egg portion of my omelet that was partially, part, partly protruding out. When I brought it to the attention of the waitress, she responded with, Weird, our cook doesn't even have hair that color, and I can give you 20% off the dish." I thought about it on my way home and realized that she was trying to say it was my hair, which it was not. Uh, okay, lady, how was I able to integrate my hair into the liquid egg before it had been cooked? Shit happens, just apologize and move forward. Guess I know why we're the only customers in the entire place. No shit, you went to breakfast at a bowling alley. You're lucky that there wasn't an entire wig in your freaking omelet. (laughs) Uh, So one hair is actually pretty good based off of the standard there for for Leslie. So it doesn't seem like Zeppos has customer service down, but Leslie, you, you
1: you gotta know the situation here. I'm I'm amazed that a bowling LA actually serves omelets. That's kind of impressive. I know. <laughs> Come on. Just go to Denny's man. Like, yeah, don't, don't do this to yourself. I uh, I have I have one more. Oh, perfect. Uh, it's a five-star review actually from seven days ago at okay. Jimmy John's in Pullman. Uh, this is Celie D <laughs> out of South Richland. Uh, five-star review. I just had the best sandwich of my life. Like when I tell you that it hit, I mean it smacked all caps. Fantastic. Thank you to the guy with the red hair, because that was bomb. Selly, you need to get out more. Jimmy John's is not the best sandwich in the world. Uh, please try other sandwich plates. Yeah, I, I eat Jimmy John's. I, I enjoy Jimmy John's, but I will never say it's the best sandwich of my life ever. And yeah. there will never be a moment when it will be the best sandwich of my life. This guy has only had Subway. That's the only yeah. sub sandwich he's <laughs> ever had. And so therefore, yeah,
0: Jimmy John's would be the best sandwich you've ever had in your life. Yeah, true. Uh, beautiful. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. That might be a recurring um, thing that we use from time to time on, on road, road games. Um, This is a home game that Duskies are playing, but uh, Pullman Yelp reviews did not disappoint. Thank you for the the wonderful research there. Let's do a bit of party scene before we get out of here. Uh, Last week in the conference of champions, we already talked about Oregon getting smacked like a Jimmy John sandwich uh, against Utah (laughs) in, uh, in Bryce Eccles. Um, the, The Our Oregon State Beavers won pretty handily against Arizona State. Um, Arizona State did not seem to know when the game started. Um, Stanford got obliterated by Cal in the big game. And UCLA was seven points away from hanging 69 on USC. That is the biggest disappointment of the Chip Kelly era that he was not able to pull that off. Um, But uh, this week, the prized platypus in the rivalry, formerly known as the Civil War, Oregon and Oregon State play, uh, obviously at the Apple Cup, Cal plays U S UCLA and then USC next week. So Cal still has an opportunity to pull off the golden state championship and make uh, a bowl game. If they can win the next two games, USC could still make it into a bowl game. If they beat BYU this week, not going to happen. And then Cal next week. And then uh, some tiebreaker scenarios. We have Oregon Um, Oregon will make the PAC 12 North championship or make, represent the PAC 12 North in the PAC 12 championship. If they beat Oregon state, They would have to play Utah again. Not sure they want to do that. Uh, Wazoo gets in if they beat uh, us on Friday, and Oregon State beats Oregon, and Oregon State gets in if they win and we win on Friday. So, I think it's safe to say we are all beavers. Let's do our part to uh, protect protect the wildlife, protect the endangered species, get the beavers to the Pac-12 championship. Um, I don't know how they would face it fair against Utah, but by damn it, that's, that's,
1: that's what we have to root for. Yeah, I mean, it, it eliminates Oregon, the chance of going to the Rose Bowl, which is all that really matters uh, at this point. So, very true, very true. Yeah. Although it, it seems unlikely that uh, uh, Oregon would uh, fare well if they,
0: they you know strapped up against Utah again, but um, yep. that's, that's a different story. Uh, true. National scene, when smart analytic types tell you that head-to-head really doesn't matter too much in the course of a season there are two examples from last week or from this season that really, uh, really proved that one Oregon and Ohio state first time they played Oregon, got that done would not happen. If that was run again, Ohio state is clicking on a different level and Oregon is not, uh, and Michigan state versus Michigan because Michigan state beat Michigan in, uh, in East Lansing in a very wild game that Michigan played very, very well in. Uh, and then Michigan state played Ohio state and got the doors blown off of them. Um, so Ohio state's is, uh, um, it's certainly much better than um, than they were at the beginning of the season. And just to, to show like, you know, when the dust settles on these seasons, these individual games don't matter too much because it's more about, you know, the overall, you know, it's more you don't get that opportunity to to see Ohio State gets to play Oregon 10 times uh, throughout the season. And so one game really you can't glean too much from it.
1: Yep. Very true. Uh, Speaking of the national scene, I want to give a shout out to Texas who ended up losing their sixth straight game uh, at the hands of West Virginia this past weekend. Uh, They were four and one and now they are four and seven. I believe that that eliminates them from bowl eligibility. So just a lovely start to the Sark era in Austin. Um, I'm sure they cannot wait to be moving to the SEC and going more four and sevens in the future or five and sevens, whatever it'll end up being. Not bowl. Algebra. I'm trying to make a monkey joke. I don't. I just don't have this team right now. But
0: um, yeah, what a season <laughs> it's early. What a season for Texas. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. So this this week we have the big game between Ohio State and Michigan. That is in Michigan. Certainly, Ohio State looks like they are favored in that game. Um, they look like train wreckers or home wreckers or world destroyers, I should say. Um, mm-hmm. uh, but Michigan has been very spry. Should it be Michigan State, as we said. So we'll see how that one goes. LSU hosts Texas A&M uh LSU AD Scott Woodward may abduct Jimbo Fisher at halftime to make him force him to be the coach of LSU so if that happens you know why that uh, all went down we have bedlam for the Big 12 yes. winner of of that game gets to go to the Big 12 championship uh, Oklahoma Oklahoma State seeming like the best chance Oklahoma State has uh, to win that game that they've had in a while and then needing one win for bowl eligibility each Florida And Florida State, two teams that are just spiraling out of control, playing each other. Probably neither team really wants to go to a bowl game that badly, uh, but uh, we'll see how that one goes. And then playoff this year. um, I know we are very much in the proletariat college football camp. We we root for the little guy. But honestly, would there be anything wrong this year with a round robin between Georgia, Ohio State, and Bama? Because those are the three best teams in the country, and I don't think... Um, there's really any equivocation about that. Maybe, maybe if Michigan gets it done on on Saturday, like by all means, you guys belong in there. But
1: uh, doesn't seem like everyone else, anyone else is playing on that plane. Yeah, I agree. I mean, right now Cincinnati's at four. They have East Carolina this weekend uh, on Friday. In fact, uh, which who they should beat, um, I I can't remember who they would be playing in the American uh, Championship. Maybe Houston. Would be playing i think which actually is a pretty solid matchup i think houston's uh in the top 25 right now um so certainly cincinnati's out if they were to lose that game but um i'm just thinking to myself is there a way that notre dame gets into this uh which which frankly wouldn't be terrible because then they would get absolutely smoked by georgia uh or Bama or whoever's the number one seed uh which would be kind of fun to, to see rather than than cincinnati getting smoked although at the end of the day i do want cincinnati to make it just for the little guy yeah well uh notre dame is certainly
0: a huge fan of georgia the rest of the way they want georgia to beat alabama in the sec championship game and beat them handily uh to get them out of the conversation and open the door for them to get in as team four they're probably also big fans of houston or any other american athletic conference team that is um up against cincinnati and yeah i totally agree like this is the thing Is like yeah you want to really be in the playoff that bad Notre Dame or would you rather just like dominate a new year's six game and, and, and get actual momentum instead of getting that opportunity to show that you are just not on the same level. And I think that they could really benefit um, from the former rather than running the latter back one more time. Um, But that's just me. Uh, All right. Well, we are nearing the exit of this. So let's do what we always do. Great cats or cats. uh, Meow meow time of the week.
1: Yeah, so I have uh, I've probably mentioned this in years past, but A- Apple Cup scheduling I just cannot stand <laughs> yeah. the the Friday the Friday game. Uh, there are four rivaler games in the Pac-12 this weekend: WCU at UW and Colorado at Utah are on Friday, uh, d- respectively. WCU uh, or WCU traveling to UW, four hours and forty nine minute drive. Colorado traveling to Utah, eight hour drive. So massive drives to take the day after Thanksgiving. Uh, whereas Saturday games, Oregon state at Oregon, 45 minute drive, Arizona at ASU one hour and 37 minutes. So, uh, just like logistically speaking and trying to accommodate away fans for these games, which are rivalry games. So so certainly there's going to be more fans trying to go to these games than just a random, you know, Mm -hmm. UW Stanford type of game, uh, just like, Use some common sense and maybe put the Apple Cup on Saturday so so you don't have to break your back to get across the state the, the morning or day after Thanksgiving. I mean, a lot of people come over to, to Seattle side for Thanksgiving, I would assume. Um, so just getting back over if it's in Pullman or vice versa is, is, just, is just challenging. So um, I just wish there was more common sense used in regards to the scheduling of these games.
0: Yeah, that is a fantastic point. Thank you for the uh, Google Maps analysis there about uh, about timing. It has never been explained to me why the, Hus- the, the Apple Cup has just become a Friday thing. It, it no one wants it. It's it's never yeah. um, you know like convenient necessarily. It's nice to kind of have that Friday after Thanksgiving off to not have to worry about anything um, and just get ready for Saturday. But I don't know. That's uh, that is something that um, is out of our control, but. there's not a whole lot of logical reasons to me as to why it'd be Friday. I have three cats this week. One quarterback room management just has just been a disaster throughout the year. I think that's pretty unequivocal to say uh, both in game and just big picture of what the plans were for Dylan Morris, Sam Heward, and even Patrick O'Brien. Second one injuries just kind of struck me the other day of like, this has been a very bad year in terms of injuries for the Huskies relative to other seasons. Um, If I would have told you beginning of the year that, uh, Eddie Olfoscio is going to miss most of the season. Terrell Bynum, we don't know what's going on, has missed multiple games. Sean McGrew, same thing. Um, Dick Newton, Kate Otten, Kamari Pleasant, Jalen McMillan, Roma Dunze, and Ryan Bowman. That all of those guys would miss at least two games, if not a lot more. I don't know how optimistic we would have been about how this year has gone. Um, nope. even, even Zion, right? Adding Zion to that mix, who didn't play on Saturday against Colorado, um, that you know he would have another injury. God, that is a grim picture. And I think that, um, you know, that's every team in college football. It is, it, it's that sport. It, it, it grinds you out, but, um, this level of, of those key players especially is, uh, is really, I think sometimes hard to heart. You, you forget it, but you can't
1: underestimate how, how big of an effect that is. Yeah. It's, that's definitely been a bummer. There's a lot of good players. They just listed there that we certainly would like to be seeing playing on Saturday. So oh,
0: yeah, for sure. Well, Friday,
1: um, yeah, but uh, and my last one is for roughing
0: the passer. Um, a lot of things that could have changed about that Colorado game. Slight tweaks for the Huskies win, um, including a roughing the passer call on Cooper McDonald on the Colorado's last touchdown drive that went spanned the whole field. It was third down. They threw short of the sticks and were all set to punt, but McDonald was called for roughing the passer. Pretty lame one. I mean, I understand why they called it, but it's just kind of one of those like arm extension you know, just kind of pushed him over as the, as Brendan Lewis Colorado quarterback through the ball. Um, here's my proposal for fixing roughing the passer. If the defending player makes contact with the quarterback with somewhere between 75 to hundred percent of their arms fully extended by the time they make contact um, and the, and the ball's already out, it doesn't count. Right. You keep, there's just, you're not going to be able to do enough actual harm there uh, for, uh, for, the uh, the for that to warrant a flag, um, if you are making full contact and your your arms are crunched up against the guy and you're about to blow them up, yes, that is that should be roughing the passer because you should be able to stop that. But 75% of the way there, it's just a push. Obviously, the the easy answer is that yeah, Cooper McDonald don't do it. But what if Brendan Lewis tucks that ball and you still have to try and push him out and you know try to make a play there? It's just such a un. It's such a it you know it's it's in there for good reason but, uh, the, the letter of the law just leads to a lot of stupid plays that don't actually line up with the reason that that flag is there. So
1: that is my rant on roughing the passer. Who is your OKG of the week. Uh, pretty plain and simple here, Utah football. Um, that's it. Uh, I was at a, the, the wedding I was at was half, uh, Oregon state fans. So, uh, and it was that game was happening during the reception and drinks were flowing and I had multiple shots, uh, on behalf of Oregon losing uh we just had a very good time watching that game on our phones and just going crazy over the fact that Utah was absolutely blowing them out um Britton Covey with that punt return to, to end this the first half as well that was just delightful
0: yeah and on Britton Covey's 30th birthday too I think that was yes that was a nice <laughs> a nice touch <laughs> um, yeah, uh, Jalen Polk is my OKG of the week, nice. uh, who had the mysterious chest injury on the first play of the season against Montana, uh, and then didn't play for however many games and then started to show up the last couple weeks, um, fully dressed, didn't think him playing was actually on the table. And then on Saturday he comes out late in that game and has a 55 yard touchdown. Um, and actually looks like you see him out there. He is much bigger, um, than, than most of the opposition or most of the Huskies receivers. Um, just, just a big presence. Uh, But if he can run like that, like, and he's healthy, by all means, he was targeted two more times in the following drive. Uh, This could be the secret weapon for the Huskies uh, passing attack the rest of the season, especially because we don't know the situation with Kate Otten who very well could just pack it in, focus on his NFL draft prospects, no idea about Terrell Bynum. Um, So if Jalen Polk is ready to go and he's healthy to go with McMillan and Adunze,
1: feel pretty good there from, from uh, that little bit that I just saw. Some nice weapons. Uh, It would be great to get Bynum and on on back for this apple cup uh, that just makes it even more challenging and gives us more options in the passing tech but it's cool it's great to have uh pulled back
0: yeah more pat more options to completely ignore in the passing yes, game is always exactly. better um i, I think you're not gonna agree on that uh, yeah. all right stan well you got to run to a meeting efficient uh, use of our time happy apple cup week happy thanksgiving to you and yours um, and to everyone listening thanks for listening same to you enjoy the turkey and uh, go dogs go
1: dogs